Okay, so I'm going to be quoting a chapter of the Bible, and then I'm just going to kind of talk about this, like what it means and all that. So, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. So when you read this, I think when I read this, the one major theme sticks out to me, and that's the theme of obedience. Paul is writing this, he kind of goes all over. You know, he's saying, you know, be obedient here, respect this over here. He has all this different stuff, last minute advice he's trying to give, but that's the first major thing that really sticks out to me. In the first verse, he says, remind the people to be subject to rules and authorities to be obedient. I guess when I read that, the first thing I think is, um, is he talking to me? We, we, we grow up in a culture where we're taught that you're independent, you can do your own thing, you can be whatever you want to be, you don't need anyone to tell you what to do, you're on your own, you can do it. But when you read this, he's kind of saying the opposite. He's saying, well, you're not, you're not really your own person, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever's in charge of you whether it be your parent or the coach of your sports team or Pastor Christopher or any of the youth leaders here, or someone at your school. So <laughs> we're not, there are lots of people in charge of us. So it's hard, I guess, for me just to think, well, yeah, I, I want to, I wanna, I'm going to do what they say, but... I want to do my own thing, so yeah, yeah, I'll do that, but, but only when I feel like it. I, I don't want to do it all the time. I'll just do it some of the time. It's okay. But, you know, when you read this, it really kind of convicts you, well, no, I have to do the people that God has placed in my life, and even God, you know, they're, they're in charge of me. I'm not, I don't just get to do whatever I want. These people are in authority over me, and so... I'm just going to pray to go into worship. Dear God, I just thank you for this night. Thank you for all the kids that could just come here and gather together in your house. I just pray that we would be able to just have a really great worship service, that people could just be able to experience you in a really great way. Amen. It's good to be with you. Thank you for having me, Pastor Christopher. And um, to help you launch this new series, Stuff Christians Do. Everybody does stuff. Christians do stuff. The uh, important thing is to figure out what stuff to do 
tonight we will be looking at the topic of worship. So the, um, the challenge is before us because we all have some ideas already about what worship is, do we not? And my job tonight is to kind of force your thinking into new areas. That's a great graphic, by the way. Arms wide open. Hopefully, as we read Scripture tonight, we'll learn a little bit and grow in our understanding of what it is to worship. But before we go too far, let's catch this video from Tim Hawkins. Oh, my goodness. I was taking a chance because how am I supposed to follow that? But what is worship? Is worship all those things? Go post, heartburn, the whole deal. I love that. My fish was this big. I love that one. Anyway. What is worship? Many Christians, you know, do stuff. Many Christians do things. Some of the things Christians do would be what? Just tell me. What are things Christians do? Go to church. Are there any Christians? Okay. Love people. Get baptized. What are other things people who are Christians do? Go on trips, pray. Someone said pray. Well, one of the things Christians do is worship. But before I go too far, I want you to realize that whether you're a Christian, an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God, an agnostic, someone who doesn't even think it's possible to know if God exists, I think that's what an agnostic is, everybody worships. Many Christians, though, reduce worship to music. And we just had a time of worship, and the band was up here. I even just said that myself. We had a time of worship. But it was a time where we worshiped God through music. And many people think, well, that's it. When we worship through music, that is essentially worship. And then we move on in the service, or we move on in our life and do other things things but that isn't really true worship in fact it's not fair to judge people other christians by the way they do music worship so i was in the back and i intentionally placed myself there and i noticed some of you raise your hand some of you don't raise your hand and i was um, in youth group at one time in my life and i remember looking at folks raising their hands or not raising their hands and coming to conclusions. And that was so wrong. So don't do that. Judging people by how they enter into worship is not fair because you are reducing worship to just music. What is worship? Simply put, worship is to ascribe or declare the worth of something or someone. If you have your Bibles, and I know some of you have digital Bibles, that's cool. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2. There it is on the screen in case you forgot. Psalm 92, verse 1 says this, Lord, it is good to praise your name. Most high God, it is good to make music to honor you. Verse 2. It is good to sing every morning about your love. It is good to sing every night about how faithful you are. Well, in a very small snapshot, that is pretty amazing worship. And if you notice in verse 2, 
It goes from morning all the way through to the evening. It's not something that just happens one hour on a Sunday. And you read these words and you get a pretty good idea about what it is to worship, at least worship from a biblical perspective, and a pretty good understanding of what it means to worship someone. Certainly when you read Psalms, you know what it means to worship God because you think about his love. You um, ascribe worth to how faithful God is to you. And here's my challenge for you tonight. Try to separate your understanding of worship from religion. Go ahead. Try that. In your mind, just think. Can I think of a scenario where people are worshiping and it's not in a church? I'll give you 10 seconds to try. Okay, you're probably not doing that. I'll skip it. It's hard to do, but let me help you. Worship can be observed in the lives of people everywhere, from secularists to atheists. The bottom line is that everyone looks to something or to someone that gives their life meaning. So do you know people in your life, in your school, where they are occupied with chasing after something because it gives their life meaning? How many are really attached to their social life on their phone? In a sense, thank you for being wickedly honest, in a sense, that could be worship. The next slide. All worship does is reveal what we value most. So if you want to know what worship is, that's worship. Worship is shows our value system. Worship lets other people know what we think is the most important, what we value the most. And what we value the most begins to really shape us into the people that we become. Many, 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 many tragic stories you see at the grocery store on U.S. Weekly or People Magazine or The Inquirer, and you just see people who have chased after fame only to end in tragedy. They have worshipped and ascribed value to a life that is just meant for disaster. So what do you value? There we go. This is our upward focus, okay? Like many preachers would just take this three steps at a time. What do you value? Take a moment to think about what it is that you value the most. Here are a few things that I came up with, okay? And there may be... Well, there probably is a whole lot more. But do you value independence? That is to say, do you not like to compromise with other people? Do you have little time for people and their problems? Do you begin, um, do you feel drained by being in a room with other people as opposed to other folks who are just like, yeah, this party is great. Do you leave a party thinking, Ugh, I just feel so tired? Are you kind of chasing after that um, independence. Do you like to work problems out for yourself? What about popularity? Do you crave other people's attention? Do you uh, compromise? Maybe you have compromised your ethics in some way just to get a joke, right? Just to get the laugh. 
just to get a bigger audience? Do you use humor as a weapon to bring people down? Or build people up or build yourself up? What about security? Do you avoid taking risks and minimize the power of faith in your life? Do you know that chasing after security or placing a lot of value in security is a form of worshiping something other than God. So if you're a Christian, that's a dangerous thing. Security, do you avoid taking risks? If you avoid taking risks, then you really minimize the role of faith in your life. And faith is believing for something that you really can't see, you really can't touch. Do you look for ways to make your life easier by pursuing money? Do you chase after success? One more to think about, relationships. Do you obsess over a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Do you sacrifice other relationships just to make time for him or make time for her? That kind of obsession, that kind of placing value on another person when that someone should be God is your worship. You're ascribing value. Do you know what it means to ascribe? It means to give value to something and, in a sense, worship. Wait a second. You may say, uh, that's really not worship. That's not what I understand to be worship. And I'm trying to tell you, yes, that is, in fact, worship. It's the stuff we obsess over, and the stuff we obsess over can very much be considered worship. It's the some things and the some ones that we place or ascribe value to. Our focus, our obsessions, we look for meaning in life and all acts of those obsessions, of, those, of that focus can be considered worship. What do you think? This is a more inward focus. When you look at the exterior lives of people and you can kind of come to some conclusions right away, well, that person's really hung up on popularity. That person really loves to get a joke in the room and they kind of chase after that. When they're not making everybody laugh, they're different people to be around. Or that person is really uh, invested with money and boy, they don't like giving it away. Very stingy. You kind of can see these things on the outside of people, and you kind of know what makes them tick, what drives them, what gets them up in the morning and motivates them to do stuff. But on the interior, the inward focus, what do you think? What are the things that really go through your mind that help, again, shape who you are as a person? Have you ever heard these words? You're so stupid. Or I wish I never met you. I hate you. Even, even words like, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know what I would do without you. I've heard all those words. And I think if you're honest, many of you have heard all those words too. They come from friends. They come from families, sometimes from strangers, but mostly friends and family. And the problem is the old saying that goes, sticks and stones may break our bones, but names will never hurt us. It couldn't be more wrong. Because sometimes the words people say to us or the words we say to other people do more damage than a broken bone can do. 
But the truth is, friends and family tell us things that tells us things that either build us up or tear us down. And we say things to people that either build them up or tear them down. And we, um, and it's our decision to let those words shape our identity. So I'll ask the question again: What is worship? Well, true God worship happens when we put God first in our lives. When we decide that what he says about us matters most. What does God say about you? Can you tell me? Anybody know some of the things God says about you? Because in terms of what it is that Christians do, the stuff Christians do, these are the kind of foundational thoughts that every Christian should really know. So God says to you, fill in the blank. What does God say about you? Jump in. Anytime. Go ahead. Wow. Well, I expect that from the youth pastor. I mean, it's important to know that God loves you. It's important to know that God values you so much that he did what? He sent his son. So these are the words that should shape, should develop our identity. So when someone says you're stupid, you're whatever, or flatters you too much, you don't go too far with that in shaping your identity because you know ultimately that opinion can change tomorrow in one hour the next minute it will change but God's opinion of you doesn't change and so what he says about us matters the most what we think about what God thinks of us really really matters true worship therefore leads to true transformation and we could be you know the kinds of Christians that do these kinds of things for example like pray go to church be really disciplined um, come to connect every Wednesday, go on a, a youth missions trip. All those are good things, but do they really guarantee transformation? Not really. They just show other people in your life that you are very religious. That is, you do things regularly, out of habit perhaps, associated with the church. But worship that impacts us is worship that transforms us and that only comes by valuing God above all else. So when you say, what is worship? Worship that really, really, really impacts me is built up on this thought that what God thinks of me matters the most. What he says matters the most. And I put the most value in what he says about me. When you think about valuing somebody or valuing something, you're especially making yourself vulnerable to it. Have you ever watched the show, The Antiques Roadshow? Some of you, I'm sure your parents have. Do you have a question? Oh, you're just saying you watched the show. Oh, good. Phew. Somebody does. So sometimes, and my favorite are the paintings. The paintings come across, and they could be paintings like this big. 
and the frame's this thick. So the painting's actually this big. And the guy or lady, she kind of goes through, points out, well, this feature, that feature, see this signature, turn it over, and boom, boom. They're placing a value on it. And she says, well, at an auction, it will probably fetch $350,000. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, the truth is, when you get to the age when you buy a house or buy a painting like that, it's only worth what someone is willing to pay. It's only worth what's... So that person may say on the Antiques Roadshow, where well, this painting is worth $350,000. At auction, it's estimated to go that. But if no bids come in, it's really not worth anything. But God has given everything to us. He's placed so much love in our direction. Therefore, we value his opinion of us. And so when we respond to God from, from that kind of position, the heart of worship was a song that we used to sing many times and many years ago, probably still is sung now, when the music fades, all is, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, if you know that song. The heart of worship is really to seek and to know God in your own unique way. And as I was telling you before, when I was in youth group and I used to watch people because I, uh, I've been in youth group bands a lot my whole life and now I'm in uh, an adult uh, praise team band, and so I'm always in this position where I'm looking out over people and I can kind of see different people respond different ways to the music or to the sermon or to other aspects of the service. And what I have come to discover is that God has made everybody very unique. And so if I was to place my idea of worship onto everybody, it would just make them copies of me. Do you understand? If I said to my daughter, well, Olivia, when you worship, you should really do the goalpost thing. You know, or my fish was this big, one of those two. And she says, no, Dad, I really like some, some other way. And if I squash that, then I am taking out the uniqueness with which God has built into her. So when people say, yeah, but I don't worship that way, you have to almost think, okay, that may not be the way I would do it, but God has made them to respond in a unique way. That's why when you see <clears throat> different music styles, how many music styles are there? There's dozens and dozens and dozens. And while I've been doing worship music in church for uh, quite a while, I've never done bluegrass, but I'm sure that there'll be people out there that will worship to bluegrass. I've never done, like, um, blues music or, like, jazz music to worship, but I'm sure there'd be people out there that would respond to it because it shouldn't surprise us that worship styles and worship tastes vary from person to person. Nobody is truly alike, and so, therefore, no style of worship is better than the other. We do have a few styles here just even on the... Evangel Temple Campus, we've got a very traditional style. We have the youth group style. You've got the 2020 style, which is pretty similar, and a contemporary style in the other uh, earlier service at the Battlefield Sanctuary. And then you've got a downtown campus. If you've ever been to 
Embassy of Hope on Sundays, they really rock out. It's loud. They've got their style there. Every style, every worship kind of varies from person to person and almost from church to church. And so since we can all, at least I think, agree to the fact that God has made people uniquely, how we respond to God in worship is going to be unique as well. And therefore, one style is not better than the other. Let me throw this at you. The quality of worship emerges from the heart and its focus. That is a good barometer of worship. And how many of us can really see the heart? Nobody should raise their hand. Trick question, alert. You can't see the person's heart. So to look at the exterior and say, worship is happening, uh, worship's not happening, um, you can't do that truly. Only God can see the heart. So a, a test of the quality of worship is a test that happens with what it is you have going on inside, what you think, how you respond to what it is God has revealed to you, that uniqueness of who you are. The quality of worship emerges from the heart and its focus. So the stuff Christians do really matters what you think because what you think begins to really shape who you become as a person. Other people would use a different kind of test for the quality of worship. Let's look at this video montage. Okay, one guess. What was that video montage built around the theme of? <laughs> Feelings. Good, you got that one. Feelings. What if you were to measure the quality of your worship by feelings? Some of you don't feel like worshiping all the time in music. Am I right? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want. Sometimes I don't feel like leading worship. Worship leaders, right? It's, it's not always about my feelings. In fact, it rarely is about my feelings. Can feelings really be a litmus test of our worship of God? No. What about our emotions? Can emotions be the litmus test of uh, how we worship God? No. They can't because feelings change. Feelings go and feelings come. I should have said that reverse. Feelings come and feelings go. Um, in fact, the Flo Rida song, Good, F Good Feeling, I mean, he says it right there, sometimes. <laughs> I have a good feeling. There's no guarantee that you will feel like worshiping God. Okay? But think about God for a second. Let's, if we apply this to God, does that ever really fit? That never fits because the one thing about God that we know for sure is that God never, ever changes. So go back to the things that you think about how God thinks of you. If God loves you, we shouldn't say if, since God loves you, does that ever change? It never changes. God never changes. He's constant. And he took the first step to reveal himself to you, to me. And in fact, what God does is he doesn't stop there. He uses different names to reveal to us different parts of his character, his nature, his presence, his authority. Here's a list of some names for us to just take a look at. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's F Abba Father. He's our Redeemer. 
Jehovah Jireh. He's the cornerstone, creator, love, morning star, healer, faithful, Adonai, omnipotent, omniscient, savior, comforter, peace, rock, all-sufficient. All these names, and there are literally dozens and dozens of more names that we could put on the screen. All of them reveal certain aspects of God's character. What he says about us should, no, it must shape our identity and frame our worship. So what do you do next? This is our outward focus now. What do you do next? Let's try this spiritual exercise for a moment, okay? Consider the names of God that we just listed. Put the names list back up there. There they all are, okay? Look at all those names and zero in on the one name that right now in your life speaks to you. For example, if God is trying to move in your heart to show you that he is faithful, as we heard earlier tonight, he requires of us obedience because he's a faithful God. Zero in on the faithfulness of God's character. If God is speaking to you because you feel a little lonely, you feel left out of the group, you feel like you don't have friends that you can count on, Zero in on the fact that he is your, perhaps your comforter, your father. And maybe you are dealing with something in your life like an illness um, or a sickness. Zero in on the fact that God is healer. So do that, okay? I'm just giving you some examples. Take a moment and just look at the names of God and focus in on the one name that is really speaking to you right now. The second step is this. If you've got a name that you can hold in your brain right now, hold it, think about it, say a prayer that would go something like this. Let's say it's healer. Lord, I thank you that you are my healer. And in this situation that I'm dealing with in my body, you are healer God. Amen. Do something like that, okay? Take a minute and do, do a one or two sentence prayer to God with that one name of God that is speaking to you. Can I just tell you that if you did that, when you did that, that is worship. What we just did right now, and you can even say, or I could have even said, well, take a name that you see on the screen, um, Cornerstone. You can sing the song. My hope is built on nothing less. You know the song Cornerstone? Sing that song. It kind of 
just adds a little bit more words and a beat to your prayer. But you can sing that. You can pray that prayer. That is worship. How is it worship? Because you are ascribing to God a feature of his personality, of his character, of his authority, and you're recognizing that in your life right now. Sometimes the Bible talks about things that we gloss over them. We don't give it enough attention. One of them is meditation. And if you think about God, this is one of the other things, part of the stuff Christians do. You think about, meditate, go over in your mind, just pray, sing, cornerstone. God, you're my cornerstone. I can build my life upon you. Things may be falling down around me or not falling into place, but you are a rock. You are the cornerstone. That, folks, is worship. That is ascribing to the Lord value, worth, adoration. In my experience and in my opinion, if you do this kind of exercise over time, this will begin to grow you as a believer, grow you as a Christian. This will begin to shape your identity your spiritual identity, this will begin to really take root in your heart. And so when you hear words that tear you down or you see a situation that is just not right, you kind of have more spiritual muscle to make a difference or spiritual guard to not let those negative words hurt you or impact you. Doing this kind of exercise where the worship you ascribe value and worth to God and God alone will really begin to shape who you are as a believer and as a Christian. So, you know, to raise hands, the truth is, you know, if you are ascribing value to the Lord and your hands are always like this, it's, it's kind of difficult. It may be, and I would never want to judge, but it is a little difficult. Hand raising, as funny as that clip was, hand raising is a part of ascribing to the Lord value honor, glory, adoration. So you may not be there right yet. Do it in another way. But don't deceive yourself and or beat yourself up and say, well, because I don't raise my hands, I'm not worshiping the Lord. In fact, if um, Pastor Emily says something in a worship set or you see a word you know, on a lyric on the screen and you're like, yeah, you know what? I was reading my Bible or that really is speaking to me right now um, that he is my redeemer. The song may be going, the mu- music may be going, just focus on the fact that God is your redeemer. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for pulling me out of a, a horrible situation, for giving me a new life. And as you do that over and over again, you are kind of building up that identity and you are creating a worship library in your heart that you can go to all the time. So I want to thank you guys once again for letting me, uh, giving me some time to talk to you about worship. I hope that it was both informative and funny, and at least you take away something from it. The quality of your worship all starts with your heart and what the focus of your heart is all about, Pastor Christopher.
I really like the uh, thought that worship is putting God first. Worship is where you put your value. And that was a really good point that I I really liked. And so I want to repeat that question of where do you guys put your value? Where you spend your time is also shows you what you value. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up to help us respond in a corporate worship with music setting. But there's some certain things that that Pastor Jonathan talked about that you can do. Sometimes we get in a routine of just repeating words. Sometimes we get in a routine of just knowing the song and we just kind of sing it without actually focusing on what it actually is saying. And so as we sing uh, one of these songs right now, take one of those words. Speak speak uh, to God about that. Talk to him about who he is and how much you appreciate him. We also talked about that worship is not a feeling because you're not always going to want to worship. Worship is not based upon how you feel. But worship is deserved no matter what, no matter where you're at, no matter what you did earlier today. And so let's stand. And we're going to worship with music. But we're going to go from here. And you're going to worship with your daily decisions. You know, are your decisions putting God first? Is, are you valuing him the absolute most with your decisions? With what you do? With how you talk to friends? With how you treat your parents? Or siblings? Or if you do your homework or not? Or that long list of things. Worship is not just singing, it's, it's, it's a lot of doing. God, I pray that you just be with these students as they go about their daily lives. That they focus on what it means to have a life of worship. I pray that no matter what they worship, no matter what they're going through, they turn to you because of who you are and what you think about them. And that you love them. That you're fighting for them. No matter what struggles they may, may be facing, God, be with us this week and let us worship you with all of our lives. Amen.